we have shared three others with you over these last few weeks. Um, and, and if you wanted to, to listen to them, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, you can go to, the, to, to our podcast on our website or our Facebook page and listen to it. Or if you'd rather read it, I can give you the manuscripts and would love for you to just read it. Uh, we've also tried to share with you books and other articles about the Holy Spirit. There have been so many questions asked of us about the Holy Spirit. We've tried to fill that gap, those gaps in your knowledge as best we can. There are still materials left on the back table back there, books and articles and other things, uh, and we'd encourage you to pick those up absolutely free. We're just trying to, to make disciples here. We believe that's our calling, to, to raise people up, to know God, and to love God, and to serve God. So um, if you'll take advantage of these uh, opportunities, I think you'd be greatly blessed by them. This is our fourth message today about the Holy Spirit. In the first message, we looked at the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, that uh, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. He blows where He pleases. He moves as He wants. Uh, and, and when the Holy Spirit moves, we, uh, we talked about how we should expect change to come. When the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, He's going to bring change. When He moves in our church, He's going to bring change. He never leaves things the same way. In the second message, we looked at the nature and character of the Holy Spirit. We tried to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And we found out that the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead with all the attributes of God. And as God, He deserves our worship, He deserves our obedience. In the third message, we looked at the promise given to us in Joel 2. Joel 2 tells us that God promised the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. And then we see that God fulfilled that promise on the day of Pentecost as it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 2. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, is a promise for all of us who live in these last days as we await the return of Christ and the judgment that's coming. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on us, is available to us. It, it, and through the Holy Spirit, that, that promise means that we can be saved, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It also stands as a promise to us as we live in these last days that God is going to use us equip us and uh, empower us to be witnesses of His soon return. So today we're going to get into a fourth message. Today I want us to talk about why the Spirit came. And it's been so interesting to me, already this morning I've had two conversations with people, and I think it's going to help address the issues that they're in right now. This is an important message for so many of us because we find ourselves struggling. Is anybody here struggling? <laughs> then I hope that you will listen to me today as I share this message with you from the heart of God because I want to tell you why the Spirit came and He came to be our helper in the midst of our struggles. He's come alongside to be our advocate, to be our helper, to be our comforter. There are all kinds of of words that the, the Scripture uses to talk to us about the Holy Spirit and why He came. But we're going to start today by looking at Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we see that it, it serves as a bridge for us from Christ's death and resurrection to the birth of the church. Acts chapter 1 provides us a bridge from Christ's resurrection and ascension to the birth of the church and its expansion throughout the known world. Acts chapter 1 teaches us that Jesus spent 40 days 
with the disciples before His ascension, teaching them the importance of the things that had happened and preparing them for the things that were about to happen. Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples understood the saving implications, the worldwide salvation implications of His crucifixion and His resurrection, but Jesus also wanted to prepare them for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and what it was for. You see, the disciples were about to find themselves faced with an enormous task. They were called to be Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. But the question is, how did they ever hope to fulfill that challenge? How did they ever hope to rise to the occasion? They were too few. They were too afraid. They were too poor. They were too weak. They were too imperfect. They were too deficient. There were just all kinds of inadequacies. How would this small band of disciples hope to turn the world upside down with the message of the Gospel? How could they possibly be useful in the hands of God to meet the needs of the entire lost world around them? Well, Jesus wanted them to know that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that when the Spirit came, He would be the answer to all of their inadequacies. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit would enable them to fulfill the task that He was giving them. That the, He wanted them to know that the Holy Spirit would be their inexhaustible source of power. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they would be able to live in obedience to God and fulfill the challenge that God had placed in their hands. Look, we find ourselves in a similar, similar situation today. You and I have been called to be Christ's witnesses to our world. And I don't know about you, that's hard. I find myself facing all kinds of internal obstacles as well as external obstacles. We live ex we, uh, externally, for instance. We live in a world that's telling us as Christians, you just need to shut up. Stay in your corner. Be quiet. Leave the rest of us alone. Don't cram your religion down our throat. Have Come on. And internally, I have obstacles as well. I want people to like me, but sometimes I have to tell them the truth. And what happens when you tell people the truth sometimes? They don't like you anymore. I mean, I'm a recovering people pleaser, okay? So sometimes it's hard to have those difficult conversations with people because I know more than likely this is going to change the nature of our relationship. And that's an internal struggle for me. How, how can God use me, a, a recovering people pleaser, to speak truth to people that don't want to hear the truth? That's tough. That's tough. You may have other internal obstacles that you have to overcome. Maybe it's something to do with the habits or the attitudes in your life. You find that they continue to, to, to be like a wall you have to break through. Or maybe it's a stronghold, a way of seeing things, and you, 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 you've been so hurt in the past, now you find yourself struggling internally to work past that so that you can speak to the people in your life about the truth of Jesus Christ and the healing He can bring to them. Maybe, I don't know. External obstacles, internal obstacles. We face all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of things that stand in our way from accomplishing the task that God has given to us. We're too weak. We're too afraid. We're too defective, we're too poor, we're too incapable, we're too limited. You ever feel like that? 
You know, most I'll, I'll be perfectly straight with you. Most mornings I wake up and I feel completely inadequate for the task that God has placed in my hands. To, I feel like I can't do this anymore. I was telling Bill earlier this morning, this is a quitting season for me. If it were up to me, right now I would walk away and find something that was less stressful, something that was easier to do, something where I could make more money. I mean, this is a quitting season for me. I'll be honest. Maybe some of you are there too. You're, you're on the verge of giving up. And I'm telling you, that's exactly what the devil wants you to do is give up. One of his strategies he's using against us as God's people is the strategy of discouragement. He wants us so discouraged, the devil wants us so discouraged that we will simply walk away from what God is trying to do in us and through us. And we can't do that. That's a spiritual battle that a lot of us are facing right now. It's in times like this we need to go back to the basics to understand that we're not alone in this walk. We're not facing these challenges all by ourselves. We do not have to overcome in our own wisdom, strength, and resources that God has given us His Holy Spirit who more than makes up for the inadequacies. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I hope as we, as we spend time talking about why the Holy Spirit came, you'll leave here encouraged. You'll leave here wanting to take one more step wanting to witness to one more person, wanting to live one more day for the glory of God. I hope that what we share with you today will encourage you. The disciples, listen, the disciples who were empowered by the Spirit in their day, they turned their world upside down for the glory of Jesus. Guess what? That's the same Spirit that you and I have received from Jesus. The same Spirit that helps us uh, who empowers us to be and do all that God wants us to be and do in these last days. So let's start at Acts chapter 1. Let's just look at a real brief conversation that the disciples had with Jesus, and then we'll get into four specific reasons why the Holy Spirit came. And I hope that you're challenged and encouraged by what the Lord would have you hear from His heart today. Acts chapter 1, verses 1-8 through 8 says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day He was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles He had chosen. After His suffering, He presented Himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while He was eating with them, He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Read that verse out loud with me. Verse 8. Keep that. Is it on the... It's still up there, right? Read that out loud with me. Let's read it together. And I, 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 want, I want you to... I want it to sink down into your spirit what the Lord is saying here today. Come on, read it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. Lord, I thank You so much for Your Word. I thank You for the encouragement we get from it. I thank You for the life that we draw from it. I pray in the name of Jesus today, You would help us to get our listening ears on, Lord, that You would help us to see what it is You're trying to tell us, that You would help us embrace its truth and its power and help us to live it out, Lord Jesus. We're living in dangerous days. We're living in days of darkness and confusion. But Lord, You're calling us to be light. You're calling us to be salt. You're calling us, oh God, to be world changers. And this world wants nothing at all to do with us anymore. You're calling us, oh God, to be instruments of grace in our homes, on our jobs, in our schools. But Father, we find ourselves in an environment that's growing more and more hostile to You and to those who claim to know You. We struggle with all kinds of things, Lord, internally and externally. Fear. We know how defective we still are. But yet, you've, you're, you've called us. You've called us to represent You to this world. To represent You well. And we feel like we failed already without even starting to do what You've called us to do. Father, show us why Your Spirit came. Show us why Your Spirit came. Help us to see that it's in our weakness. You make us strong. It's when we realize our limitations that You step in to make us powerful. We praise You, Lord. We praise Your name. Give us a heart to understand and a heart to apply Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Four reasons. Four reasons why the Spirit came. Four reasons. First, He came to help us think God's thoughts. The first reason the Spirit of God was poured out upon us is so He could come to help us think God's thoughts. Now, I think that we would all agree that God and man think on different levels. We agree there? We're at a different level altogether from the Lord. Isaiah 55.9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So we see there's a great divide between the way the Lord sees things and thinks and the way we see things and think. And this brief conversation between Jesus and the disciples in Acts chapter 1 clearly demonstrates the divide. When Jesus told the disciples that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit, their response to Him was this in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Lord, are You at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They didn't, ask, they didn't ask Jesus, hey, what's this baptism in the Holy Spirit for? They didn't ask Jesus, Lord, what would You have us do once we're baptized in the Holy Spirit? Instead, they asked this question, Lord, is this when we get to reign on thrones and lord it over the Romans? Lord, does this mean Jerusalem finally gets, to re gets restored to its rightful place in the world and us with it? 
Now, I don't want to be too hard on the disciples here, but I do want to point out, it seems as if they were still trapped in their own silly traditions and in their own selfish thinking. Their focus was absolutely off base here. They were thinking in terms of reigning in Jerusalem with Jesus, but that's not what Jesus was saying at all. Instead, Jesus was sending them out of Jerusalem to be His witnesses to the world. They were thinking of themselves and what they would benefit from if Jesus were to reign and rule. And instead, Jesus wanted them not to be concerned with themselves, but to be concerned about a world full of lost people. Jesus was thinking here, they were thinking here. And that's why the Holy Spirit had to come. The Holy Spirit comes to help us think God's thoughts. Listen to me carefully. You see, our natural thinking is always selfish. Our natural thinking is always going to be self-centered. But God's thinking calls us to put Him first. It calls us to put His kingdom first. It calls us to think of others first. To honor others above ourselves. We think of ourselves naturally, but God says, no, you need to learn to think of Me first and others before yourself. You see, something had to happen to change our way of thinking. Something had to come to, 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 had to, had to come. Something had to happen for us to align our thoughts with the thoughts of God. And that's why the Spirit came. The Spirit came to change the way we think. I mean, we're full of stinking thinking. I don't have to tell a room full of addicts you're full of stinking thinking. You already know that you realize that decision after decision after decision you make is the wrong one. Come on. Look back over the course of your life and tell me that you knew what you were doing. That's what I thought. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> one thing on your mind, it had nothing to, at all to do with how it would affect your parents or your friends or your family. It was, what can I get out of this? When the Spirit comes, He comes to change the way we think. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 and 12 says this, No one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit. Say these four words with me. So we can know. Say it with me. So we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. The Holy Spirit has come to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. It's, it's said throughout the New Testament in different ways. Romans 12.2. Look these verses up if you want to this afternoon. Romans 12.2 says, He renews our minds so that we can know God's will. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, He gives us the mind of Christ so we can think like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, He helps us take captive those thoughts that are opposed to Christ. You see how the Holy Spirit, He's come to change the way we think. And God knows we need to change the way we think. Thoughts. We know this. Thoughts are the engine that drives a person's affections attitudes, and actions. Well, the Holy Spirit has come to help us think God's thoughts so that we can know and do the will of God. He's come for that purpose, but He's also come not only to help us think 
like God thinks, He's also come to help us love like God loves. To love like God loves. Just like we can't think God's thoughts without the help of the Holy Spirit, we cannot love like God loves without His help. 1 John 4.8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It's God's very nature to love. It's God's... Now, we need to clear up what this word means because that word love means a lot of different things. I can say I love my wife. I can also say I love my little dog, Ash. Those loves are completely two separate kinds of loves. Can I get an amen? Don't you hope they are anyway? Sometimes I wonder. (laughs) Somebody tells me they love their car and their lies light up. They tell me they love their wife and it's like, yeah. Like there's... Anyway. I'm sorry. It's God's very nature to love. And this love, thank the Lord, He has defined it for us in His Word. 1 Corinthians 13 defines what this love of God is all about, this love that comes from God is all about. And we, this, is a, this is a passage of Scripture that we quote all the time in our wedding ceremonies. But can I tell you something? This isn't a kind of love that's on, that only exists within a marriage relationship. This is a love that ought to exist between us all as we live in the family of God together. Anyway. The way the Word of God defines the word love is this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Oh boy, that comes really naturally to me. Easy peasy, baby. (laughs) You sit in a room full of teenagers all day and tell me you can love them like that, huh? Come on. (laughs) Kaylin and Carly like, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. You know those guys too well, don't you? Yeah, I'm telling you. I can't love like that on my own. And I don't think any of you can either. It's just not in us. It's not in us to love like that, is it? It's just not in us. I love the way Chip Ingram defines the word love. And I think this is a a definition that we ought to memorize. Because this truly is, I think, the way God wants us to love each other. Chip Ingram summarizes the meaning of love this way. Love is giving someone what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal sacrifice. Love, read it with me now, is giving someone what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal sacrifice. And you're already saying, ain't no way I could love him or her like that. Because it just doesn't come naturally to us to do so. I mean, come on. Basically, we as human beings, we love ourselves And we love only those who will love us back. Moment of honesty here. That's who we are. It's just not in us to love those who hurt us. It's just not in us to love our enemies. It's just not in us to love those who treat us unjustly. But that's the way God loves us. 
And he says, as I have loved you, so you should love one another. God loves each of us even when we have expressed our hatred to Him. God loves each one of us even when we're in full-blown rebellion against Him. God loves each of us with a pure love, not for what He can get out of us, but for our own sake. He loves us. He loves us. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners. Not after we cleaned ourselves up and got ourselves straight. He loved us while we were still in our full-blown rebellion. Still shoving needles in our arms. Still sleeping around with anybody that would let us. I mean, God loved us even when we were in our full-blown rebellion. He died for us on that cross. God loves us by by giving us what we need when we need it most, even when we deserve it the least. You get that? He offered us love and forgiveness and we did nothing to deserve it or earn it. He took the initiative, didn't He? Did He wait for you to come to the altar before He offered you salvation? No. He said, I offer you salvation if you'll just repent and turn and come to Me. You see what I'm saying? But we as human beings, oh, no, no, no. That's not the way we work, is it? It's not in us to love like that. It's just not in us to love people like that. And that's why the Holy Spirit has come, to help us love like God loves. Romans 5.5 says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you know why you're struggling to love some of the people in your life? Because you haven't asked the Holy Spirit, help me learn to love them. Help me. Holy Spirit, you know what they've done to me. You know the abuse that I suffered at their hands. You know. I cannot love them of my own. Help me to love them. When the Lord tells us that we are to forgive others even as we have been forgiven, He's not asking you to do that in your own strength. He's not even asking you to figure out how you're going to do it. What He's telling you is, my Holy Spirit has come to help you forgive. To help you walk through this. I'll figure it out. I'll show you how. I'll give you not only the means to do it, I'll give you the willingness to do it. That's why He's come. And some of you are stuck in your bitterness and resentments because you have yet to ask the Holy Spirit to help you overcome them and to help you walk in His grace, in His mercy, in His forgiveness. The Holy Spirit's come to help us love others like God loves us. Third, the Holy Spirit comes to help us pray as God wants us to pray. He's come to help us think God's thoughts. He's come to help us love as God loves. He's also come to help us pray 
as God wants us to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us with yet another human limitation. He helps us communicate more effectively with God. The Holy Spirit helps our prayer life in two ways, the the Bible teaches us. First, the Holy Spirit gives us access to the Father. Ephesians 2.18 says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. The Holy Spirit, I hope you appreciate the significance of this, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us access to the throne of God. Now, let me, let me make, make it clear. It's Christ that paid the price for us to be reconciled to God. It's Christ that opens up the door so that we may enter in, but it is the Holy Spirit who ushers us in. You know how? Because He has, He is the Spirit inside of us. When we see God seated on His throne, we don't cut and run in fear because perfect love does away with all fear. Instead, He has given us the Spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father. That's our Daddy. <laughs> That's not my judge anymore. That's my Dad. What happens is, the Holy Spirit has been placed inside of our hearts to help do away with the fear that we once felt when we entered the presence of God. There's no longer anything to fear. Fear has to do with punishment. Now, God has placed His perfect love. When we approach the throne of God, we can do so without threat, without without threat of punishment, without fear of being rejected. It's the Holy Spirit placed inside our hearts that gives us that feeling of acceptance when we come before the Lord. In prayer. Does that make sense? Christ makes it possible, but the Holy Spirit's kind of like the usher that just brings us right in. And says, it's okay. You can cast all your cares at the feet of the Father because He cares for you. It's that assurance we have. Deep inside, it's the Holy Spirit giving us the assurance that I can come to the Lord in prayer and ask Him for anything and He will hear me when I pray. There's also a second way the Holy Spirit affects our prayer life. It makes our prayer life more effective. The Holy Spirit helps us pray when we don't even know what to ask for. I was talking to somebody this week who was telling me about his prayer life. And he said, there are times I go to the Lord in prayer and I don't even know what to say. Anybody ever been there? I see lots of hands going up. You don't even know how to pray. And you think that's a bad thing. I'm saying, no, 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 no. That's a Holy Spirit thing. Because you have one interceding for you. You have the Spirit of God enabling you to pray. And sometimes those prayers sound like wordless groanings. Have you ever just laid before the Lord and basically groaned and grunted because you didn't know what words to use? Romans chapter 8 says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You see, it's in our weakness that the Holy Spirit rises up to help us do what we can't do ourselves. Okay? Always. He's come alongside to help us do what we cannot do in our our own flesh, in our own natural ways. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. 
Some of you are saying, I've been there. You may be there today. You may be in a situation when you don't even really know how to pray. Maybe, maybe you're not sure which outcome would be best, so you don't know what to ask for. Or maybe you don't know what God's will for this situation might be. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're so upset and so confused, you can't make heads or tails of the situation at all. It's in times like these, it's in times like these that the Holy Spirit steps up in our weakness and helps us pray. And sometimes those prayers may sound like wordless groanings which only God Himself can interpret. But the Holy Spirit enables us to communicate with God in a way that surpasses our human understanding. I think that's one benefit that comes from speaking in tongues. We're assemblies of God. We're a Pentecostal fellowship. We believe that all the gifts that were available in the first century are available today for those of us in the 21st century. One of those is speaking in tongues. And we'll talk more about this next week. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14.14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Some people call that a prayer language. Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians 14 goes on to say, those who speak in tongues edify themselves or build themselves up. But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps our spirit communicate directly with God in a way that rises above any human limitation we might have. He helps us to join... Listen, this is, this is so cool to me. The Holy Spirit helps us to join God in a supernatural partnership of intercession. You and God are partners in prayer. You don't even know what you're praying for, but it doesn't matter because your partner's praying with you and he knows exactly what he's praying for. You see what I'm saying? That's supernatural, man. Supernatural. The Holy Spirit helps us pray as God wants us to pray. We need to learn to pray. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, we're going to have a prayer meeting here. Steve's been doing this, opening up the church for the last several weeks. Well, tomorrow night, I'm asking all of you to come, if you will, if you can. Nobody's going to be judged if they don't, but we're going to, I, I want to be here at 6 o'clock tomorrow night to pray for about an hour for this nation as we get into these elections. I'm not taking sides in any of it. I just want the Lord to have His way in this nation. So I'm 6 o'clock, if you can be here, be here. If you, can, if you want to pray at home, that's fine. But Steve and me, right? You're not going to back out on me, are you? We're going to pray. We believe that God is calling His people to pray in times like this. You want to see the glory of God shine? You better start praying for it to shine. Because He wants to use you. And He wants to join you in a supernatural partnership of intercession for this nation, for His church, and for His people. Anyway. Alright. Fourth. The Holy Spirit came to give us power to do God's work. The Holy Spirit came to give us power to do God's work. Even in the Old Testament, God told us he announced His method for getting things done in His kingdom. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by My Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. 
not by might, nor by power, but we're going to get things done in my kingdom by my Spirit. You see, when we're given an assignment by the Lord, He never expects us to do it on our own. Please hear me. Look, all you guys, especially those of you in recovery, you're never going to do it on your own. Those of you who've never taken a drug in your life, guess what? You ain't never going to do it on your own. If God doesn't do it in you and through you, it will never get done at all. Salvation is God's work in us. We can cooperate with Him, or we can resist Him. we got a choice. I would encourage you to cooperate with Him in the process. It makes it a whole lot... You ever seen a sailboat try to try to sail against the wind? Some of us are trying to do that. God's at work in us, trying to work in us and through us, and we're trying to sail against the wind. Come on, y'all. Woo! Talk about changing thinking. Why don't you sail with the wind for a change? You go a whole lot faster, a whole lot less resistance. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit came to give us power to do God's work. He never expects us to fulfill an assignment on our own. The work of God is never accomplished through human resources. The Holy Spirit comes to give us the power and the resources to do God's work. Listen, without Him, we can't do it. Without Him, we can't do anything. We can't ever depend on ourselves to get the work of God done. We're never going to have enough wisdom. We're never going to have enough strength. We're never going to have enough faith. We're never going to have anything else, uh, enough of anything else we need to live for God, serve God, witness for God. But that's okay. Because what you learn to do is depend on God. And let Him do for you what you can't do for yourself. Some of you are trying to save yourselves. You cannot save yourself. Cindy can't save you. I can't save you. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can save you. And you will only be saved as the Spirit of God works in your life to do it. And I truly believe this with all my heart. By His Spirit. By His Spirit. We can do everything God has called us to do. Because none of it rests on my ability at all. None of it rests on you. <laughs> when you can let it go and let God's Spirit work in your life and through your life, it's amazing what can happen if we'll just get out of His way. Just get out of His way. Stop fighting Him. Stop resisting Him. Let Him do what only He can do. He blows as He pleases, right? Let Him change. Bring whatever change, just get out of His way and let Him do in your life and through your life everything He wants to do. The Holy Spirit has come to give us the power to do it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can break the hold of that life-controlling habit. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome every painful issue of your past. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can gain victory over every problem that stands in your way. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can win that spouse to the Lord. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can rebuild your family. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can reach this community for Christ. There is nothing that is impossible to us with the help of the Holy Spirit. You and I can't do it on our own. You can't do it on your own. So many of us are living in frustration trying to carry loads that we were never intended to carry. 
We ought to instead give them to the Lord. That's where our help comes from. We cannot get it done by the... We, we can't do it on our own, but we can get it done by the Spirit of God who has come to give us the power to do it. So our challenge here today, really, I, this, is, this is one of those take-homes. We can't shrink from God's calling and His commands. We cannot cave in to the fear and the uncertainty and the doubt and the frustration. No, because that's not coming from the Spirit of God. First, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the Spirit of God gave... For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, doesn't make us fearful or anxious, but the Spirit of God He has given us gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If you're feeling frustrated, it's because you're fighting a battle that He's already won. You just have to stand there until the victory comes through. Look, God is looking for people whom He can fill with His Spirit. That's what he's looking for today. People he can fill with his spirit because by his spirit, they'll prevail. By his spirit, God's kingdom will come and his will will be done on the earth just like it is in heaven. By his spirit. Not by the amount of money in your pocket. Not by the strong network of friends you've got around you. Because sometimes you've got to stand all by yourself and it's just you and the Holy Spirit and that's it. Let me just wind this up. We're going to go into a time of communion. John, would you come? The band, would you come back? The Holy Spirit has come to help us think God's thoughts. The Holy Spirit has come to help us love like God loves. The Holy Spirit has come to help us pray as God wants us to pray. And the Holy Spirit has come to give us power to do God's work. And this is what Jesus was talking about in John 14.6 when He told His disciples, I will ask the Father and He will give you another Advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us by God the Father and Christ the Son to be our Helper. It is impossible to live this life without Him. He is the one who has come to give you the power to live for God. To give you the power to do what God has called you to do. And our question today, my question for you today, each one of you, is this. Have you embraced His help? Or are you trying to do this thing on your own? Have you embraced the help of the helper? Or are you trying to do this thing on your own? Some of you are still trapped in your stinking thinking. And it's because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to help you think the thoughts of God. Some of you are stuck in your unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. It's because you haven't asked the Holy Spirit to help you love as God loves. Some of you are in situations and you've quit praying because you don't even know what to ask for. And it's because you haven't asked the Holy Spirit to help you pray. 
And some of you are on the verge of giving up. Giving up on your recovery, giving up on your life with God, giving up on your family, giving up on your life's calling because you've been trying to do it in your own strength and you've come to the end of it. And now's the time to ask God to give you the power to do His work through the Holy Spirit. Look, it's just time to rest in the Lord. It's time to take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and breathe in the Holy Spirit.